Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. During the Obama administration years, relations between the United States and Egypt had been challenged to say the least. Subsequently, President Donald Trump managed to salvage these relations. However, the reemergence of the Democratic Party as the ruling power in Washington is now seemingly challenging the foreign and even domestic policies of the Sisi government in Cairo once again. To analyze this topic, we're joined from central Israel by Dr. Eran Lerman, who is the vice president of the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security and a lecturer at Shalem College in Jerusalem, as well as uh, the co-host of TV7's Middle East Review. Thank you for joining us. Good to be with you, as always. Indeed, and also joining us from a location in northern Israel is Dr. Fadi Ismail, who is a research fellow at the Institute for Counterterrorism at the IDC here in Herzliya. Thank you for joining us as well. Thank you for having me. Good evening. Good evening, indeed. And uh, with me in the studio is our TV7 analyst and the host of TV7's uh, Watchmen Talk. Uh, give us a broader understanding with regard to uh, today's topic, uh, uh, Egypt. So as uh, President Sisi probably sees it uh, from his perch in Cairo, there are, uh, relatively speaking, constants and variables. The constant is that the United States wants out. It doesn't mean that uh, the other powers will let it uh, leave the area. There are problems which necessitate uh, its presence uh, here uh, for the foreseeable future. But uh, when the uh, planners in Washington sit around uh, their uh, desks, they want to pivot to other areas, mostly to East Asia. And um, because uh, this is a constant, it started with Obama, then went on to Trump, uh, who was Obama's opposite in almost everything else, but not on this. And now on to Biden. They would like to um, lessen at least uh, their presence um, in the region. At the same time, the Russians are filling the vacuum. And uh, while they entered in force only some uh, five, six years ago, uh, when the Syrian war engulfed them, uh, first in, a, in an incident with Turkey, of uh, all countries, but nevertheless, they came in, they propped up uh, the Assad regime, and they stayed, and they are going to have uh, permanent bases, uh, naval bases, air bases, and they have a squadron in the uh, Mediterranean. And President Sisi uh, sees the trend, and the trend is America out, Russia in. So that uh, um, is what happened uh, throughout the uh, last decade, perhaps uh, ever since the Arab Spring started. The, uh, what has changed is that uh, the uh, Biden administration puts an emphasis on several issues not to CC's liking, such as human rights, uh, including towards dual citizens, Egyptians with American citizenship, uh, who were jailed because of their uh, support uh, for uh, the Muslim Brotherhood. Americans uh, see them as dissidents. 
um, speak about their freedom of speech, but for Sisi, there are security risks. Um, there's a problem with Libya, where the Americans and the Egyptians were on uh, uh, both sides of, uh, of the conflict. And there are, of course, other issues on which the Americans and the Egyptians are part of the same alliance. But uh, if you take uh, uh, another issue, arms sales, uh, the uh, U.S. administration, because of human rights uh, issues, did not want to sell Egypt uh, advanced weaponry. So the Egyptians turned to Russia, and rather than the F-35, they are buying the Su, the Sukhoi 35, which the administration doesn't like. So, as you said, a host of issues in which Sisi and Biden um, have to um, speak about and see if they can uh, split the difference. Indeed. I think it's uh, important to uh, put a distinct uh, distinction uh, on the fact that uh, it's a matter of perspective uh, to the terminology of human rights. Sure. When one promotes uh, Islamism under the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, in a Muslim-majority state, and sees the implications on the ground, uh, he might be more... Uh, vigilant on confronting that than in a Christian uh, majority state. Yes, uh, but the Democratic Party has a progressive, so-called progressive wing, which is um, uh, very vocal, has uh, uh, representatives, especially in the House, uh, not uh, in the Senate, perhaps, and they are putting pressure on President Biden to fit his foreign policy to his domestic base. Which vocally also sympathizes with the Muslim Brotherhood on many occasions. And uh, therefore, I'd, I'd like to uh, shortly set a stage. Uh, when we're talking about uh, what also Mr. Owen spoke about uh, specifically, uh, the shift of power, we're talking about a speech by uh, Samir Shukri, the foreign minister of Egypt, who at the time uh, made the, the uh, known speech about not putting all the eggs in one basket and shifting to uh, Russia and China and elsewhere. Is this the direction of uh, the current uh, Egyptian government uh, heading towards uh, more of a Eastern Bloc than a Western Bloc, also in light of what it sees happening in its neighbor and ally, Saudi Arabia, with uh, the Obama administration seemingly just throwing Saudi uh, Arabia under the bus uh, which is uh, quite a sight to see at this stage. Uh, Dr. Lehrman, how do you view this? Well, I've heard more than once from very knowledgeable Egyptians that at the end of the day, they don't have a real alternative to the American connection. Uh, we're talking about significant uh, support. We're talking about military hardware, uh, particularly in the ground forces and the much of the air force uh, which depends on a more American follow-on support, which is quite expensive in its in its way. Um, and we are also talking about at the end at the end of the day, we are talking about the understanding that Egypt cannot really rely on Russia in its uh, present state uh, to come as a replacement. And uh, and China acts in a very uh, mercantilist way. I mean, they they are they they serve their own interests. They bring in their money. They are definitely interested in investing in major projects, but they are not a strategic alternative to American support, particularly in the ongoing fight for the future of the Eastern Mediterranean. 
So I, I don't think the Egyptians really, Sisi really wants a quarrel uh, with the Americans. And I don't think Biden really wants a quarrel with Sisi. He was among the people in the Obama administration going back to what, after what, uh, and, and I to say this was part of bad business, a terrible business uh, at uh, Rabi al Adawiya Square in August 2013. When, uh, which I think is the worst massacre or, or of a political nature in the modern Egyptian history, uh, at least since uh, Mehmet Ali or Muhammad Ali slaughtered the um, the Mamluk elite in uh, in the early 19th century. This is a bad, bad business, and there were people in the Obama administration who wanted to have Sisi's head for it. Biden was among the people uh, alongside uh, Kerry uh, who, who basically uh, uh, sort of calmed some of the uh, anxiety down. So he's going to have to pay some lip service, as you said, to the uh, progressive uh, element and the base. Uh, he did so in Saudi Arabia, but he didn't ultimately break relations with MBS. He did not, they're not sanctioning him. And he will not break relations with Sisi. Having said all this, I will. Uh, we have to note uh, two important elements in the Libyan situation, in terms of support for Haftar and uh, for the uh, pro-Egyptian forces in uh, Cyrenaica. Uh, Russia was standing shoulder to shoulder. Russia and Russian uh, quote-unquote volunteers were shoulder to shoulder with the Egyptians in supporting Haftar against the government in Tripoli. Now we are moving towards perhaps uh, an agreement on the future of Libya. Uh, the new prime minister, Beba, has been uh, to Egypt. An Egyptian delegation went to Tripoli. The game is changing. The necessity for the Egyptians to rely on Russia in this matter is actually being diminished, but they definitely appreciate the Russian position. And China is investing in the most important a project of uh, Sisi's life, perhaps one of the most important uh, projects in the whole history of modern Egypt, namely in the new capital, Idaria, which is being built uh, uh, quite uh, dramatically, 40 kilometers uh, east of Cairo. It is not only a major show, project for show uh, in terms of Egypt's modernity, it is also a way for the government to live uh, far away from the madding crowd of Cairo. And here the uh, contribution of China is quite significant, and I have to say from an Israeli point of view, quite beneficial. We are interested in Egyptian stability, and if the Chinese economy, by economic investment, by involvement, and by giving credit to the companies which are building projects in Egypt, uh, help establish stability in Egypt as part of their concept of the BRI, the Belton Road Initiative, that's not a bad thing in itself. I hope the Americans don't uh, uh, look at it as a zero-sum game. Indeed. Uh, Dr. Ismail, I'd like to hear your take on this as well, considering the fact that you were also a senior advisor in Congress at the time of the Obama administration uh, during this whole ordeal. H how was it uh, looked at from uh, the United States uh, towards the Middle East and and? Uh, do you see a certain shift, as, as Mr. Uh, Dr. Lerman uh, noted, with regard to uh, the fact that uh, uh, President Biden was more lenient or more uh, keen on, on preserving relations with Egypt at the time? 
Are you speaking about him as vice president or um, during his days during the Obama administration or what we're seeing on the Biden administration right now? I mean, these are two situations, two very different situations. So there is no continuity there from one uh, administration well, to another. Here's the deal. I, from what I'm seeing in the last, uh, like, what are we, like one month into the Biden, about one month into the Biden administration, I think he's caught in something of a trap. Uh, on the one hand, uh, he does not want to be considered a third Obama administration, which is understandable. And on the other hand, he doesn't want to seem as a second Trump administration. And uh, however, in some of his choices, and when I look in a global way on, on all the uh, decisions coming out of the administration, domestically as well as internationally, there are way too many uh, similarities between Trump and Biden. If you look deeply, not in the tone, not in the body language or the music, but when you look at the actual details, uh, President Biden hasn't uh, committed to any revolutionary move in the Middle East, vis-a-vis -vis the Middle East so far. Uh, he is changing the tune. He is uh, begrudgingly continues some of, um, of the of U.S. policies here. He tries to, to, to appear as if he's doing different things, but so far I haven't seen anything super dramatic. Um, but that's on one hand. Let's go a little higher and look at the international play between the U.S., Russia, China, and the EU, which are the big forces. Um, the issue with the penetration of the Russian uh, establishment into the Middle East is a well-known matter that has been uh, accelerating since the Obama days. There are debates in Washington on how bad that is. Uh, how much can be tolerated and and why? And there's the same that goes for China with its Belt and Road uh, initiative uh, that, um, uh, by the way, coincides with or or floats right into Iran's corridor idea. Uh, so th there are debates in Washington that have been around this on how to react. Um, uh, what it seems now that Mr. Biden brought back many of the same figures that uh, served in the Obama administration, especially, most notably, uh, Mr. Uh, Brett McGurk and Wendy Sherman, people like that. Um, that means a lot. He could have taken, brought in as many people as possible. So that uh, projects that he wants to maintain some kind of continuity. He, knows, he wants people who know the region. Uh, but in terms of the actual decision making, uh, I don't see any dramas so far. Uh, we mentioned China a lot in this conversation. Let's remember, China and Egypt have been partners since 1956, since the revolution. And uh, in all the important uh, junctures in hi Egyptian history, China was there. Uh, even, uh, even after the 1973 war, uh, China supported the Egypt very... Uh, in a very uh, uh, palpable way. And um, right now, China participates in the uh, recovery of the Egyptian economy. They have uh, hundreds of thousands of employees on the ground. We have people working at the Suez Canal, some very large projects. Um, so China is there. Um, and, and I think that we are not looking enough at, at its role in the Middle East as a whole. 
uh, we're we're somewhat transfixed in the military presence of the of the Russians, which is considerable. And uh, moving to the Russian thing, I think what's what's Russia's approach to this is uh, they know that uh, the Egyptian government might have great difficulties in uh, when coming to uh, arms uh, procurement. They will they might have very big difficulties paying for them, and the currency by which Russia is trying to uh, to barter for those uh, weapons. We see that with military presence back in Egypt. Now that point is problematic from a domestic standpoint in Egypt. I'm not very I'm not very sure that President Sisi will be able to um, really allow the Russians to go back into Egypt to the extent that they want to be there. Uh, the Egyptians have very bad memories from the days of the Soviet Union there prior to 73. So, uh, and of course, on top of all of that, the economic issues, uh, the relationship to, I don't know if you want to talk about this right now, but if you want to get uh, the international support for your economic, economic issues, uh, there's only so much that he can uh, alienate the United States, which have, without it, the IMF will not be able to help. So. Actually, here I agree with both uh, the colleagues. Um, uh, Mr. Sisi or President Sisi is walking on a very tight rope right here between all these forces, and everybody understands the importance of Egypt, uh, both as a Mediterranean force as well as a Red Sea force, uh, not to mention um, an African force. And of course, that leads us to an issue with it. I hope we'll bring up later the issue of the Renaissance Dam in Ethiopia and the wild card that that issue can be in the Middle East. Indeed. Well, uh, uh, Mr. Oren, you spoke earlier about the conversation between uh, Secretary of State Blinken and uh, Foreign Minister uh, Samir Shukri, who communicated about uh, various aspects uh, with regard to the U.S.-Egypt uh, alliance uh, or partnership, uh, for that matter. Uh, well, the, within, if you really look at the, the, the various texts uh, and, and how it was built, uh, the first things that were discussed were, of course, the, the humanitarian aspect, or they called it the humanitarian issues. Uh, and then from there, uh, they continued to the fact that this will be a big part of the, the partnership between Egypt and the United States. And then they go into the whole Sukhoi 35 uh, procurement, the aspirations by uh, the CC government to procure that from uh, Russia, which would pro uh, provide them, of course, with uh, uh, significant Russian hardware onto uh, other aspects of uh, military hardware that have uh, been procured either from France or from Germany or from the United States proper. However... When we look at the Chinese conversation uh, between Xi Jinping and President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, which occurred one day before uh, Secretary of State Biden uh, and his uh, Egyptian counterpart, we see more of a uh, courting or, or a pursuit by China to become a bigger role, knowing that the Americans uh, are somewhat losing ground or face to a certain degree, with uh, Middle East uh, partners hoping to exploit that and develop. Uh, of course, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Ismail has mentioned uh, correctly that since 56, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Egypt was the first country to recognize the, the Communist Party in, in China 
uh, and the first African nation to do so as well. So there is a strong relation there in addition to the Russian one. How do you see that dynamic evolve? So because we don't have uh, too much time, let me just mention in passing before we get into that, uh, a couple of other issues on the table. One is the Russian help in the nuclear power um, industry, uh, which of course the Americans are not able to do because of uh, uh, congressionally mandated uh, provisions. The, uh, on the other hand, the uh, Egyptians see themselves as helping the Americans in Africa. In Africa, there is not, except for Libya, uh, which is of course uh, North Africa, Mediterranean, but uh, in Sub-Saharan Africa, they see themselves as helping uh, the Americans. Now, as for the Russians and the Chinese versus the Americans, during the Cold War, there were two possible uh, routes. One was anything you can do, I can do better. And the other was anything you won't do, I will do better. Wherever the Americans didn't want to help in the Aswan Dam or selling arms or whatever, or is now in the uh, nuclear reactor, the Russians and now the Chinese are coming in and they're supplying the Egyptians, no questions asked, whatever they want. Dr. Lerman, your perspective? Well, as I said, I don't think there is an alternative uh, Chinese, and there's certainly no Russian alternative for Egypt in terms of uh, uh, its American relationship that has been built uh, very over the years uh, quite carefully. Uh, and I've, uh, but I do think that uh, Israel should look um, positive at. Um, a certain aspect of the Chinese role, I, I really, I said at the end of my previous uh, segment that uh, I don't think it will be good for us if America um, picks up the habit of the Trump administration to look at everything the Chinese do as negative and, and, and uh, to basically consider this a zero-sum game in the region and beyond the region. There are very important issues on which the Chinese need to hear a robust uh, American and international response. But there are also things that they are doing which are beneficial. Um, so more important to us, uh, at the same level of importance ultimately as the Palestinian question or, uh, or the Iranian nuclear challenge, uh, is the stability of uh, Egypt, of a country of 100 million uh, the most important country uh, uh, in the Arabic-speaking uh, world. I, uh, the term Arab world has become a bit uh, trite, but but uh, there is a, a world of, na of uh, nation-speaking Arabic, and it is the most important among them. It is our most significant neighbor. <clears throat> it is the country in which we almost bitter wars in uh, from 48 to 73. So for us, um, anything that helps stabilize the Egyptian economy, helps CC keep it, keep it despite the challenges on an even keel. And of course, everything leads to the uh, beneficial development of, uh, uh, mutually beneficial development of resources in the Eastern Mediterranean, like our gas reserves, uh, is good for us and good for them. In this respect, by the way, the visit, the un, uh, unprecedented almost visit, of the Egyptian energy minister uh, in Israel uh, was a very important indication of this commonality of, of interest. 
Dr. Ismail, uh, we have about uh, one minute left uh, for today's program. Uh, how do you see the the strengthening of relations between Israel, actually, and uh, and Egypt, as Dr. Lerman just stated, uh, seen by the Biden administration, and also uh, as part of the East Med uh, uh, Forum, uh, of course, bringing Greece into the picture, which is also quite close to uh, the United States and the Biden administration proper. Do you see that somehow uh, bolster Egypt's image in the eyes of the Americans? Well, they, of course, Egypt needs to show functioning relationships with Israel. That's one, that's part of the menu they have to show. Uh, they need uh, a friendly Washington. They have challenges that have to do with the Muslim Brotherhood that is now organizing it over the world. And they, their big uh, uh, nightmare is a return to the Obama days with the su overt support to the Muslim Brotherhood. By the way, uh, tying to our conversation, conversation with China, China also needs Egypt to help it fight uh, fundamentalist Islam at the Uyghur society in Western China and support an international diplomatic forum that Egypt gives to China and other countries who face uh, brotherhood uh, troubles. So if Egypt wants the United States not to go back to basically pro-Muslim brotherhood policies of the past, it needs to really show um, mm -hmm. a a set of a menu of what each uh, Washington sees as positive policies, very critical of them is good functioning uh, relationships with Israel. Are we going to see normalization? No. Well, this so. is uh, indeed interesting and uh, unfortunately all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank Dr. Ismail and Dr. Lerman as well as Mr. Owen for being part of today's panel. And I'd thank like to uh, thank our viewers as well and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.